1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Spurs Up show, the Best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, February the 3rd, 2020. On today's show, I break down South Carolina's big 76-54 to win over the Missouri Tigers over the weekend. I'll talk about just what this win means for South Carolina, break down the ins and outs of the win, look ahead to the rest of the season. And much, much more. Also, some news and notes to get into your listener questions, and a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks right-handed pitcher Ethan Carter, as we discuss his role in the Gamecocks 2010 national title team, the ins and outs of his career, which is a fascinating career at that, and much, much more to get into as well. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast two by our friends over at Ag South Farm Credit, guys. Most lenders don't understand land financing. Ag South Farm Credit specializes in land financing and has been doing it for over 100 years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pasture land, even home mortgages and construction. They have a ton of great benefits, including long term fixed rate financing for 20 years, down payments as low as 15%. They have competitive rates and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year, as what they call. Patrons. So they're cooperative. So they share in their profits with their borrowers. So, guys, for example, on a $300,000 loan at six and a half percent for 20 years, you would get back $2,770 each year. They have an experienced lending staff that knows land and knows how to finance it. Guys, whenever you're making a big time life decision, buying a car, buying your first house, buying your dream house, Whatever it may be, you want to make sure you have the right people in your corner because we all know these this type of thing can be very strenuous, be very stressful. You want to make sure you surround yourself with the right people. They're going to make it super simple, super easy, and give you that peace of mind. Ag South Farm Credit is that lender whenever you're going through this process. So one of the questions they get asked most often, the name has farm credit in it. Are they just for farmers? So the answer is not at all. Their mission is to support rural America, and that can include just about anything that involves the purchase of land. So a lot of their customers are those that just want a piece of property outside of the town they can live on. So no, you do not have to be a farmer. Anyone can benefit from the services that AgSouth Farm Credit provides. So if you have any more questions about what AgSouth Farm Credit can do, just give them a call, 844-AG-South, or visit their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S. Again, that's A-G-S-O-U-T-H. FC.com slash TSUS. AgSouth south on Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 619788. So again, their website, agsouthfc.com slash TSUS, or give them a call, 844 AgSouth, and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. All right, let's get into it. Phillip Joe's the Spurs Up show as always. Happy Monday, everyone. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Hope everyone enjoyed the Super Bowl as well. Spoiler alert, I'm recording this before the Super Bowl, so we'll not be talking about it. But I hope everyone had a fantastic Super Bowl Sunday and had a great weekend as well. I know I did. Watching the Gamecocks get a big, big-time win at home at Colonial Life Arena against the Missouri Tigers. 76-54, to pounding Mizzou and showing the Tigers who the real Columbia is. Is before we get into everything, I want to say one thing really quickly. This isn't a housekeeping item or announcement or anything. Just one thing I want to say, and I don't say it enough probably, but I, I do just want to mention this. You know, I'm blessed enough and fortunate enough where for there are times and there are different opportunities that I have to interact with Gamecock fans and fans of the Spurs Up Show, and those people that approach me in public. To those people, thank you so so much, and to everyone that supports the Spurs Up Show that takes their time to to voice how you feel about it or tell me that you appreciate the work I do, really. You guys make this all worth it you You guys don't realize how much that means to me. I just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Those people that are listeners again that take the time to see me out in public to say just to say hey or love what you do or go even just go cox or whatever you know talk shop about South Carolina sports. I really do appreciate you guys and again it, it means a lot to me. so I just wanted to say thank you to everyone that has ever that has ever taken time to say hello or uh, say they support what I do. Just thank you so, so much in the bottom of my heart. So I really do appreciate it. With that being said, let's talk about this game. South Carolina beats the Missouri Tigers 76-54, to a big-time win, a game that went pretty much how I expected it to go. South Carolina coming out, I thought, early, establishing they were the better team, and that really stuck throughout. You know, this was never a game where you felt like there was going to be a letdown. There was never an indication that, oh, maybe that Mizzou's going to hang around longer than they should. You know, it's funny. I talked about this in the post-game report or post-game reaction, if you will, um, immediately after the game. The spread in this one really shocked me. Missouri uh, was only a five-point underdog. South Carolina was only a five-point favorite in this game. And I said this on social media, and I thought to myself, you know, oh, God, Mizzou either knows something I don't, or they're expecting South Carolina to lay a major goose egg at home. because. You know, I picked South Carolina to win by double digits. I picked this to be a double-digit game. I really expected, again, I I really thought that South Carolina was the better team. No questions asked. If they played their best basketball, they were going to win this game by double digits. Um, So to see that spread was very strange. And now I sit here, guys, and I wonder, I don't know what the hell Vegas was thinking. I don't know if they're still sleeping on South Carolina or what it is. But again, spread only being about five, five and a half. Gamecocks come out and absolutely dominate. I mean, 39-26 at halftime, 76-54 final score. This game was never close. First thing, quick shout-out to the fans that showed up Saturday as well at Colonial Life Arena. Really made it a raucous environment. I know Mike Coatsar said in his postgame that they fueled off the fans. It was a a great crowd. It really was. I mean, you know, you keep winning, and we're going to get damn near close to a sellout eventually because really the only parts in CLA that were empty were – like the end zone sides, if that makes sense, in the basketball arena. The end zone sides were really the parts, only parts that were empty. Other than that, I mean, it was a very, very solid crowd. I was very impressed. That was probably as loud as I've heard CLA all season. So kudos to the Gamecock fans for showing up and showing out. Um, speaking of Mike Coatsar, round of applause, a standing O. What a damn game. Have yourself a day, Mike Coatsar. Just having himself a hell of a senior season, man. I mean, 21 points, 11 rebounds, gets the double-double. He had four blocks. Just what a game. I, mean, I don't know what got into Mike Coates. I will tell you, actually, I do know what got into Mike Coates. And I want to point this out. The refs on Saturday, as much shit as we've all given the refs, and well-deserved, too. They've been bad. I mean, they've been terrible in every SEC in every SEC game on both sides, I might add. I thought the refs Saturday were finally so much better. They finally allowed South Carolina to play and be physical. It allows a guy like a Mike Coats to get down low and be physical. You know, to get those rebounds, to make those hook shots, to go down low and get those layups. I thought you saw Mike Coats are really, really – Benefit from that again. Twenty-one points, eleven rebounds. He was seven of eight from the field, even seven of ten from the free throw line. When Mike Kotsar is going seven of ten from the free throw line, you know it's just your day. You know it's your day. I thought he played a really nice physical brand of basketball. Again, it's crazy how his game has come around so much. His game is so well rounded now. He he's making the the fifteen foot jumper. He's he's obviously cashing on the dunks. He's getting physical down low. He's got the hook shot going. He's playing such aggressive defense. Um, You know, had a steal in the game again, had four blocks in the game. That was another thing, you know, that I was really, really impressed with, and something that I expected in this game was the defensive pressure, the defensive intensity. I was so impressed with the intensity South kind of came out with on defense, made Missouri uncomfortable the entire game. Mizzou shot just 33% from the field, 21% from three point range. Mizzou was obviously uncomfortable. No doubt. I mean, literally from the start. That Gamecocks defense was smothering, going after 50-50 balls, winning most of the 50-50 balls. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, that was, that was Frank Martin basketball. We talk about a Frank Martin style of basketball, Frank Martin brand of basketball. That was it. That was it, just a smothering defense. You love to see it. I've been waiting on that. Again, I talked about it after the Arkansas, even after the Arkansas win. I said, when are we going to see that defense? When are we going to see it come out? Again, Missouri's not the best offensive team, not the best team, period. But I loved what I saw as far as the Gamecocks kind of getting back to that brand of basketball. You know, still shot the ball very well, 51% from the field, 36% from three. You know, outside of Mike Coatsar, you had Jermaine Kuznar with 15 points, Lawson with 13 points. You know, you had some guys with some really nice games. Um, so just top to bottom, top to bottom a great effort. Top to bottom a great effort by this squad. Um, you know, it's funny. I I walked out of Colonial Life Arena on Saturday thinking to myself, and again, not being in a pessimistic way or a negative way. I don't want people to take it that way. Obviously, I was elated about the win, but I walked out of Colonial Life Arena Saturday thinking to myself, man, how much different I felt after the Stetson loss versus how I feel now. I mean, just, just a complete 180, you know what I mean? Just a completely different feeling. It's crazy how far this team has come. And I think this team has definitely matured. This team has gotten more consistent. Give major kudos to Frank Martin. Give major kudos to that coaching staff. Um, you know, I think the guys have really come into their own. Guys like Justin Minaya have come into their own. Kuznard's coming to his own, obviously. A.J. Lawson sort of finding his game again. Um, You know, there's a lot of different contributors that have made up for this run that we're seeing. South Carolina picking up. Their fourth straight, isn't that right? Fourth straight, yeah, fourth straight, correct. Let's go back here. I'm make sure I look at this one. Excuse me, third straight. That's what I was like. I don't think it's four yet. Third straight SEC win, but now South Carolina sitting 13 and eight in the in overall, five and three in the SEC, and a team that again, with every single win, you get closer and closer and closer and closer to knocking, knocking on that door, knocking on that NCAA tournament door. It's just a beautiful thing to see. And it's almost – I don't want to say it's hard to believe because I know a lot of you sit here and ask, oh, is South Carolina a tournament team? Oh, do you think we're a tournament team now? I'm still so hesitant to say anything. And, again, not in a pessimistic way because I'm an optimistic guy. But we've seen this team play so bad at times. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm very much in the let's take it one game at a time mentality You know, after this again. You got at Ole Miss, a at home, at Georgia. You know, you've still – you can add two, three, four more wins in a row on this thing and really get yourself in the conversation. Really get yourself on the bubble. Um, but the most encouraging thing that, again, yes, the way South kind of won for me personally was encouraging. I love the smothering defense. They continue to shoot the basketball well. But the fact that South kind of came out against a team that I truly believe they were better than. You know, I I looked at Missouri as inferior competition. Not as good as South Carolina. And the Gamecocks played that way from the jump. I mean, from the very start. This game was never in doubt from the second it was tipped. Never in doubt. And that's a beautiful thing. I mean, Gamecocks basketball has become fun to watch. Who would have ever thought that? Gamecocks basketball is fun to watch. I thoroughly enjoyed myself on Saturday thoroughly enjoyed myself Saturday afternoon it was a blast you know when you take care of business and do what you're supposed to do and ask you also know it's a great night at the office when Mike Green gets in and hits a three the bank was open for Mike Green whenever I see my favorite time of a South Carolina basketball game has become when I see Mike Green and Nathan Nelson check in I know we are beating somebody's ass that is a fun time for me boy when those, guys, when those two guys check in, it is a fun day at the office because that means we are beating somebody's ass. Um, Yeah, I mean, just, just a fun day, man. I, I was so – again, I was so happy to see the refs not be a major storyline in this one. I thought the refs were actually good, believe it or not. I mean, this was the first time it felt like in forever we, you know, we weren't leading in fouls. Somebody else was fouling more than us. They finally let our guys play. Again, it was fun to see some physical defense and not get – the whistle blown every time. So, you know, I know the big thing that's going to stick out to people, and I agree that the free throws continue to be a damn eyesore. 18 to 32 from the line, 56%. I mean, it's becoming laughable. Like, And what's crazy is how good this team could be if it could make free throws. That's what's scary to me, just how good this team could be if it could make free throws. So, but either way, right now, you're getting away with it. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot more when it comes back to bite us in a game when we lose, but whatever. You win by 22 on Saturday. Everything is great in Gamecock land. You find yourself 13 and eight, 5 and three in the conference. South Carolina, what, sitting fourth in the SEC right now? I Man, who the hell would have predicted that after the Stetson game? Who on this earth would have predicted South Carolina to be in that situation really after the Tennessee game? Start out 0-2 in conference play. Now you're just yourself 5-3. It's just crazy. So, again, kudos to those players. Kudos to Frank Martin staff getting this thing turned around, how much this team has just developed, um, how much this team has grown, how much this team has matured, really come into its own. And then, again, one last shout-out to the Gamecock faithful, Gamecock Nation. They made that a great environment on Saturday, um, a packed house, a raucous environment. And I'm really glad to see that the product is matching South Carolina fans' hopes and aspirations and intensity, honestly. Because, again, early in the season, it was just too often. We were getting these great crowds, and, you know, the team was laying an egg. So, for South Carolina to be able to come out, do what they're supposed to do, get a big win, it's awesome. It's great. The players deserve it. Coaches, the fans deserve it. Great to see. And, again, I, I think you can really continue to build. I, I, I'm Like I said, I'm in one game at a time mentality. Right now, for sure, but we're moving the right direction. We are trending in the right direction, and that is a very, very big positive if you're a South Carolina basketball fan. So, again, kudos to everyone. Big-time win at home, taking care of business. Love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. Um, Let's get into some news and notes here really, really quickly. Uh, First things first, you did not see on Friday afternoon, new merch has dropped, tsus.store. Also, the links can be found on social media. We have the Cox by 90 t-shirt, which is super fresh, super dope. And the Cuck Flimson T-shirt, which is a laugher, obviously. So go cop it. Go buy the merch. If you appreciate and enjoy the show, do me a favor. The T's are awesome. Go check them out. Again, they're on social media or tsus.store. Check out the merch. You guys are going to love those pieces if you haven't seen them yet. Also, a baseball note. Dylan Harley, left-handed pitcher, out for the season. Um, It sucks. Obviously, you know I, I saw some people. Oh, what's up with the injuries? Listen, th- this is a baseball injury. This is going to happen. You're, you're. This is probably going to happen at least once a season. You're going to have a guy go down with some sort of arm injury. I'm not surprised, to be honest with you, that it was Dylan Harley because he's a guy that has a really herky jerky motion and his mechanics are kind of all over the place, and that puts a lot of strain on the sho- shoulder, shoulder, a lot of strain on the elbow. So I'm not shocked it was Dylan. And to be completely honest with you guys. I like Dylan a lot. I think Dylan's got a bright future at South Carolina. I really do. And I think he could have helped this year. But I don't think it's the biggest loss. Like, I don't think Dylan Harley was going to be your Sunday guy. I don't think he's even going to be your first guy out of the bullpen. So, if you're going to lose a guy, you know, let Dylan get back healthy. Let him sort of regroup and just improve his game overall so he can have a big impact in 2021. Because, again, I think he can still have a major impact for this team. But, you know – Overall, it's not the biggest loss. It's not like we lost Carmen Majenski again or Brett Carey or anything like that. So, knock on wood. But Dylan Harley out for the season, tough to see, but wishing him a, a speedy recovery. And I think he'll make a big-time recovery and make a big impact in 2021. Uh, also, not really news or whatever, just Jordan Burch's official visit. Obviously, he was in the building on Saturday uh, at Colonial Life Arena. I'm assuming it's going well. We'll have full coverage on Wednesday for signing day. Should be a lot of fun. Um, Jordan Birch, you know, going to be signing his letter of intent at one o'clock. Uh, one o'clock Wednesday at Hammond High School with Alex Huntley and the rest of that gang. Going to be really, really fun, really exciting. And I will have full coverage of it for you guys. So be sure to stay tuned for that. All right. Before we get in this interview, let's go over these listener questions. Just have a couple here really quickly. Going to run through these. Uh, Madison.r.benson. Do you genuinely think the Gamecocks basketball team can make it to the big dance? Can they? Yes. Will they? I don't know. You know, I I don't know. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm in one game at a time mentality. I want to see this team continue to do it game after game after game, but certainly, certainly this team has the capability. There's no question in my mind. They have the capability. Will they do it? I don't know. Um, Last question. Jonathan Marcus. If Kingston doesn't make the postseason this year, what does Ray Tanner do? I, honestly, here's the thing. This is a big year for Mark Kingston. It's a big year. No question. I don't think anybody's denying that. Because, yes, South Carolina baseball over the last decade has had some off years here and there. But when's the last time South Carolina baseball had back-to-back bad seasons? I mean, it's it's been – hell, It's it's been since – The the pre Ray Tanner days, I mean, or the first couple years of Tanner. I mean, it's been since the 90s. So this is a big season. However, if they do miss the postseason, I I agree. If they miss the postseason, it's a major, major red flag, major red flag in my mind. I'm going to have serious questions about Mark Kingston and that staff. But I think even if they miss it, I don't think Tanner pulls the trigger on Kingston. I I think they're going to give him at least one more year I think he will get the 2021 season so to answer your question I think Kingston's safe no matter what again I will be utterly shocked if this team is as bad as it was last year I mean I've been out there watching every single scrimmage and again you're gonna hear my season preview for baseball next week next Monday we're gonna have that big show but uh no matter what Kingston's back in 2021 in my mind so There's that. So, all right, got a fantastic interview. Speaking of Carolina baseball, a man that pitched for the Gamecocks. Very, very, very excited for you guys to hear this interview. Very fascinating interview. A guy that had a very interesting career at South Carolina but was instrumental in that 2010 National Championship. Former Gamecocks random pitcher Ethan Carter. Excited for you guys to hear this interview. And, again, very, very, I'd say, inspirational um very moving interview and I think uh, people can learn a lot from Ethan's story not just on the baseball field but applying it to life as well very very good stuff so stay tuned for that interview it's brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek guys whatever you need tickets to whether it be South Carolina Gamecock sporting events professional sporting events concerts comedy club events you name it SeatGeek has got you covered go download the SeatGeek app go to SeatGeek.com use the promo code SPURSUP you're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, like I mentioned, they've got tickets to literally anything and everything. They've got a great ticket rating system, which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So never again are you going to have to deal with scalpers. You're never going to get ripped off. You're going to know exactly what seat you're getting. You're going to know the deal score. So you're going to know if the person sitting a row in front of you getting a better deal than you are. Like I said, if you're getting ripped off or whatever, you're going to have that peace of mind before you click the buy button because you're going to know that you are getting the absolute best bang for your buck. So, again, that's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks right-handed pitcher Ethan Carter. Hey, Ethan, what's up, man?
2: Chris, how's it going, buddy?
1: Hey, doing well. How are you?
2: Doing well, man.
1: That was a hell of a game, huh?
2: Oh man, the boys look good tonight. You know, they, last month or so, I mean, starting with that, you know, right before that Tennessee game, which they should have won. You know, they've been, they've been looking, they've been looking real sharp here lately.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's just, it's, I, I was, I was walking out of the arena. I was like reflecting. I was like, just thinking how I felt after we lost to Stetson. And it's like, dude, it's like a whole different, uh, Whole different feeling now. I don't know. We're a lot more fun to watch now. We still can't shoot free throws, but we're it's it's crazy. <laughs> oh, no. to think, it's crazy to think like I mean how good we could be if we could just shoot free throws. We probably would would have two or three more wins if we just shot free throws well. I mean, we oh, definitely yeah. would have beat we're, Tennessee. We definitely we probably
2: yeah. would have beat Auburn. I mean, you know, so even the Florida game, the Florida game would have yeah, kept oh, yeah, the yeah. game a little a little bit longer, and you know, see how that plays out once you're in the game longer. But it's yeah. one of those things. How how did the baseball scrimmage look today?
1: It it was good. No, it was the uh, this is the second weekend of them, and uh, I mean I think they're going to be a lot better this year. I'd be I'd be utterly shocked if we were as bad as we were last year. I mean I, I was talking to a guy at the field today, and I was like you know because Carmen Majinski threw today, and I was like dude if we you know as bad as we were last year, if we just had Carmen, if he was just healthy, we'd have been ten times better. I mean yeah. You know, there were so many weekend series in the SEC that came down to, you know, game three. And I'm like, you realize, you guys realize we couldn't win a Friday night till like, week eight in SEC play. Like, oh, yeah. You know? So, I mean, if we had Carmen, we win at least two or three more series. And we may even be, like, in the talks for the postseason. But, I mean, I, we're just, you know, we just have more depth top to bottom in my mind. I mean, we got to stay healthy, which obvious. But, I mean, and we need – we need Carmen to pitch like you know everybody's thinking he's going to pitch. You know we need him to be that all American kind of guy, that that ace that yep. on Friday. But I mean, no, I mean I, I think we're I think realistically we're a we're a thirty five thirty six win team and we're like a fifteen and fifteen sixteen and fourteen you know SEC yeah. record team. But we, we, I think we're back in the postseason. You know the SEC is just so good. I mean it's just we're we're not going <laughs> to you know I mean Georgia's got three guys throwing ninety seven and he got Vandy with rocker and then. I think Florida should bounce back, and I mean it's just you know I mean the schedule's just absurd, but I mean you know it is what it is, but we'll we'll be a lot
2: better, we'll be a lot better for sure. But oh yeah, like I said, I mean I, they took they took their lumps last year, and yeah, I know. But that what was that? That was Kingston's second year, right? It was
1: his second year. So yeah, I mean it's a big year for that entire staff. Because I mean I think even if we have a better year, but if the pitching staff struggles again, like I think Meade is, you know, what I mean the the pitching coach. I just you know it's a big that year was, for yeah. I was talking to uh, that, that, I was just going to say I was talking to a guy, you know, one of your former teammates, Joey Pancake, and uh yeah, I was talking to him uh a couple weeks ago about this and I was like, "You know, dude, like when's the last time South Carolina baseball, you know, we've had a couple years here and there over the last decade that have been not so great." But I was like, "When's the last time we had back-to-back bad years?" Like I mean, it was probably pre-Ray Tanner. It was that long ago. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's maybe year, maybe I
2: mean. maybe his first year combined with the year before he got there because right, if right. I remember correctly his first year wasn't great yeah but uh, obviously you know I mean, it was it a, a long a time year ago <laughs> like, yeah. oh yeah mid-90s mid-90s yeah eagerly. so it's this is a big
1: I mean and I, I don't think I think no matter what happens so I, I actually it's funny I've already done an interview with a. Uh, with Kendall Rogers, I mean, he's going to be, be part of my, like my big Carolina baseball preview show, and yeah. I, know, I know you know who Kendall is. With D1 baseball, and we were talking, and he was just telling me he was like, you know, like he we were talking about the team, and he agreed with me kind of where I saw, you know, what the expectations should be and what I, my kind of my prediction for the season was. He was like, honestly, man, if South Carolina misses the postseason again, that'll be a major red flag for me as far as like right. what they've got going because they have. Because I mean, I'm I'm just I'm of the belief I don't think I'll ever change my mind that South Carolina baseball should never miss the postseason. They have the talent, the facilities, the fan base. Like, it's – there's just no excuse. You know what I mean? You should never be that bad. So
2: – No, and they, and they recruit so well. I mean, they've had right, – you know, right. I think Kingston's had – Kingston's had three top 15 recruiting classes. You know, I mean – This last one I think was just, like top five. So, yeah. yeah I mean, they – so they're bringing in the guys. I know he's gotten a little unlucky with some Juco guys that have, have stayed a year longer or, or just cleared, but – yeah, I mean, you know, when when you're, you know, South Carolina, you you very well – like I said, you got to make the tournament every year. And, you know, whether you're in the running – because, you know, when it comes to the SEC tournament or the SEC championship, it's all about the draw. You know, right. you could get – you know, you get stuck with – you get stuck with – I I mean, I'm trying to remember the year we won or the year – my freshman year because we lost. We, we didn't win the um, – the conference of Florida beat us that uh yeah the last weekend and but we drew like we drew auburn and who led the country in home runs that <clears throat> year, and we drew right. and, we, and I mean it's all about the draw you get you get lucky on the draw you know you you can make a big run or you can definitely make a run for the for the conference, but yeah I mean with with everything they've got going on there, it should be it should be tournament or bust every year.
1: Yeah. it's so funny. We've we've always been dog shit in Hoover. Like no, it does not matter how good we are. we are oh, so bad
2: dog shit in Hoover. Like it's like Yeah. I, I mean we are
1: just like we have no interest in Hoover whatsoever. Like just get us out of there.
2: <laughs> all right, so our best so team the-
1: I mean our best teams just had I mean you guys I, I just had no interest. Like,
2: all right, we're done. That- <laughs> That that 2000, that two thousand and ten season we so we lost to Florida so we lost Friday and Saturday to Florida so Florida clinched the clinched the East and the and the conference and then I think we beat Florida on Sunday I believe we beat Florida on Sunday but then you know we turn right around and go to Hoover and we lose the first game and then we got Ole Miss and we have our scout report and then they've already told us because we got into a scuffle with Ole Miss early in the year and we'd already both teams have been warned and all this and then we had faced face Pomerantz you know oh, we got yeah. the Pomerantz that year in, in the tournament and <laughs> it was just like um you know, we lost and Tanner just goes I'm giving you guys 30 <laughs> minutes to get change shower and change and be on the bus I if you can get food in 30 minutes you get food in 30 minutes so y'all got 30 minutes to get shower and change and then we're heading home and we drove all the way back that same day. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's uh I don't know what it is about Hoover. I it's funny. I was actually just speaking of that. I was actually at the uh the Friday night game. Yeah, it was it was that year. Yeah, cuz it was Cooper versus Pomerantz, the Friday night game when uh Coop just dealt. I think you guys won like one nothing or 2 to 1 or something. He yep. Coop shoved. I remember that. I mean Pomeranz did too, but coop out it was just like one it was another one of those Friday night games in 2010 where coop outdueled the other guy like it's like every time oh. he, you know he just he's out dueling somebody else's ace so like every
2: single weekend oh. crazy he was just out yeah he's outdueling first rounders all year yeah you know Sonny Gray, <laughs> drew Pomeranz, um
1: dude had that had, had like really a five seven e r a in two thousand nine comes out and has like a one <laughs> one six <laughs> nobody can touch him
2: oh Yeah, he was a three. He was the number three starter, you know, for two years. So sophomore and junior before I got there, you know, he was the he was the Sunday starter and, you know, coin flip of game. You get good Cooper, you get bad Coop. And then he just came in that year. You know, as a freshman, you know, you only hear what guys talk about the year before. And, you know, Coop comes out there. You know, in the fall, and it's like, man, this guy's like inventing a new pitch every time he warms up. He's
1: just,
2: he'll go out there that day and he'll 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 throw something and he'll tinker with something. He's like, yeah, we're throwing that today and we're throwing that today. Because I think I remember that fall. I don't think Coop threw maybe but five split fingers that whole fall, Mm. and then he comes out in the season, and uh, our opening weekend was Tennessee for SEC. And he comes out Tennessee, he's throwing, you know, 20% uh, splitters that game. <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah, no, Coop Coop just, you know, decided he was going to do this on, you know, an hour for the game. And now he's, you know, just going to shut this team down for, for two hours.
1: For sure. Well, Ethan, so it's funny. Normally I do like an intro, but I just want to keep the conversation rolling because this is gold. And if you guys don't already realize by now – uh, a man that played for Gamecocks Baseball 2010-2012, went 4-0, 4.03 ERA, had two saves as well, and he helped lead South Carolina to the 2010 College World Series title, former Gamecocks right-handed pitcher Ethan Carter. Ethan, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure, obviously, to have you on, and can't wait to uh, to relive some good memories for sure. A very interesting career, by the way, that you had.
2: Yes, yes, very interesting. Uh, <laughs> man, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, you know, I've been been listening to it, you know, since the early days, and you know, just really, really appreciate you having me on with you know, some of my former teammates that are uh, had far less interesting and more <laughs> and more prestigious, you know, careers than I did. But you know, I'm just you know glad I was able to darn that darn in black for as long as I could.
1: Absolutely. So I, I want to start from the beginning for you, Ethan, because you're a guy from uh, from the state of Virginia. Just and a really highly regarded prospect that out of the state of Virginia. Just talk about kind of your recruitment. You know, when did South Carolina come into play for you, and what made you want to be a Gamecock?
2: So I actually went through three different recruitment coordinators during my courtship with the with the Gamecocks. I um, you know, I'm from Virginia, but my my parents are both from uh, Whiteville, North Carolina. Um, so I grew up diehard Tar Heel, um, just through and through diehard Tar Heels, and I went to their games growing up, you know, a bunch of weekend series, football games. Um, so South Carolina was never, you know, this, this thing to me. And then I got on with what is now the Evo Shield Canes. Back then we were just the the regular old North Hurricanes. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and we, we, uh, our coach was uh, from the state of South Carolina, uh, ended up playing his uh, high school ball in Virginia, but Jeff Petty, a Gamecock fan and he was like i can get you you know down for a clemson south carolina game during spring break uh so this would have been 2006 so this was smoke this was smokes last yeah. year and so i get not like of course so go down there uh jim toman is the is mm-hmm. the recor- coordinator oh, yeah. at the time
0: Blending. monty
2: lee is yep yeah, monty lee is the volunteer assistant And so I go down there, uh, meet Coach Toman. I don't think I met Coach Tanner on that visit just yet. Um, Meet them, and I roll up to Sarge Fry, and there are people tailgating for a baseball game at four (laughs) o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. Because this was back when we were still doing the the Clemson midweeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Mm. You know, play, play playing four times during the season on the midweek. And yeah, I'd roll, you know, roll down there at the, 15 year old, and and uh, yeah, people are out there tailgating a baseball game at four o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday. And I just look at my dad and like, huh, this is pretty interesting. <laughs> and then and then they go out there and they, I think, smoke hits one from both sides of the plate, disher hits one. Um, I think, um, uh, Darnell, I think Darnell hits one too. Mm. I mean, they it was it was an absolute slugfest. And they're like, it's a Wednesday night game. There's easily 5,000 people. Or as as many as the Sarge Fry could hold. Mm. I was never lucky enough to play in Sarge Fry. But as many as that place could hold, it was it was packed for that Wednesday night. And it was as many there as all the UNC games I'd went to combined. So, from that point forward, South Carolina moved clear, clear ahead. And then Coach Toman left. So, then Coach Lee took over. Um, as the recruiting guy uh, and then uh, Coach Calbee was playing a big role in that too and I ended up committing there as a at the summer of after my sophomore year um, I got on campus I threw for a little inter or a little uh, scrimmage there and they they offered me and yeah I I was supposed to wait for my mom my mom wasn't down there yet and I was supposed to wait for her and couldn't do it they committed on the spot <laughs>
1: Uh, you talked about Sarge Fry. Obviously, it, it's funny, you know, Ethan. It's uh, I, I remember going to the park. I, I was lucky enough. I, I played. Uh, I played baseball myself, and actually got to pitch on Sarge Fry near the end when they were ripping the seats out and stuff like that. And I, I just remember, though, as a fan, though, thinking like, "Oh, why are they getting rid of Sarge Fry Field?" I and mean, this is a great park, and you know, it just had that home feel to it. That's all you knew, right? And then you see Founders Park and you're like, oh, my God, Like this is, you know, you understand why they did it. What what was your first reaction when – because, again, this would be what your senior year of high school, so you're still, you know, committed at this point. What what was your reaction when you're like, this is the ballpark I'm going to be playing in now?
2: So, it's funny. We – when they told us – because they – in the recruitment, they told us, yeah, we're going to get a new stadium. Yeah, we're going to have these, you know, top-of-the-line facilities, state-of-the-art, and, you know – or I'm already committed, so I'm just like, oh, this is great. It's I'm funny, it was it was
1: supposed did. to it was supposed to be ready for oh eight if I remember correctly and they pushed they did the last year of Sarge Fry like twice, I think. Yep. Yeah, it was supposed to it was like delayed so, a year or something like that. Yeah.
2: Yep. So I'm you know, my foot's in the door. I'm like, oh great. So the original plans that were told to us was it was gonna be on the river. And they were going to try to turn left or right field into, like, a McCovey Cove situation mm. with the river. And then, of course, they had to change that with just how the how everything was set up. But, yeah, man, we got in there. Um, I don't think I saw a game there my senior year because uh, we ended up going to the state tournament. And then, I you know, I was playing pretty much all, all until, um, like, June – uh for high school so I wouldn't I wasn't able to make it down but you see all the videos you see Hootie and the you know you see Darius Rucker singing the national anthem to open up Founders Park and it's just like oh man we are this is this is the real deal this is showtime
1: for sure so you you get on campus Ethan as a freshman I, I have to ask you about Ray Tanner because again a legend um what were your first interactions like with Ray Tanner how how would you describe to someone what it was like being a player under him
2: we had it. We had a very interesting relationship, um, <laughs> Coach Tanner. He always saw the. He always saw what a lot of people didn't um, beyond just talent and everything. He just he saw there was always just a little bit more there, um, and he would. You know, Coach Tanner. Tanner was the was the master of trying to get under skin or just do that little bit more to bring the most out of you. So as a as a hard-headed you know 18-year-old on campus um we you know we butted heads a few times um different things just um from warm-ups to conditioning to just different things me and, me and coach Tanner just did not always see eye to eye but he was he was there for for you anything you needed and he was he was definitely always just trying, it was never personal. It was, it was, I'm trying to get the best out of this for the team. And, you know, you see that obviously years down the road and, and you didn't, you would notice it in the moment too, Um that we just, it was, it was a, it was a fun dynamic. Um Like I said, there was a lot of, there's just a lot of back and forth and a lot of goading each other, but, there was there was just a, a natural kinship there too I think and we uh, we we hit it off from the jump and there were some rocky times but even even you know I think I last spoke to him about a year or two ago and it's you know still still same same relationship it's always been
1: that that freshman year I was going to ask you because I think in 2012 you were probably a little bit wiser but uh, that, that that freshman year would you say you spent more time at Founders Park or Five Points.
2: Uh, so freshman year actually not that much. Um freshman year I was you know, would pop into five points every now and then. Um it was actually that that fall after the World Series that mm, beginning um, of the sophomore I, year. Yeah, beginning of the sophomore year that five points might as well have just been my residence. Unfortunately. <laughs> um I uh ended up I ended up befriending some people that are are still lifelong friends. Um but you know people that worked down there in 5 points and um dated someone that was in 5 points and I, 5 points just kind of made was just kind of a resonance that did, it didn't need to be but man you know after after that soft after that world series and going in sophomore year it was you know it was you know living living the good life and so back to your original question yeah that freshman year I you know I I made an appearance every now and then, but freshman year, it was, it was pretty much, it was business, you know, for the most part, um, just didn't, you know, we, we would, we'd show our face, but it was, it was most mainly business for the most part.
1: Yeah. I've just, I, like I said, I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but, uh, I actually heard a guy that, uh, I won't say his name that played, baseball at Carolina a couple years ago and he said it's not the freshman 15 when you're a Carolina baseball player when you're at Carolina period it's the uh the five points 15 that'll get you so yeah you have to yeah you have to watch out for that you put it on you can put it on fast um it's quick yeah it'll happen fast but so I want to talk about that freshman year because obviously not many guys are as fortunate as you were to come into a situation where you come in as a freshman you win a national championship and you're a big part of a team that does it I mean that year you went 3-0, and um, had a 5-4-6 ERA, but appeared in 24 games, had two saves, you know, through 28 innings. It's obvious that you were a big part of that team. Um, you know, when guys come in now, you know, Ethan, it's funny because the tradition's there. You know, what you guys did, it's there. I mean, the expectations, you know, and it's always been high at South Carolina. This has always been a proud program I mean, back in 2002 when they went to the College World Series. And, this has always been a prou- proud program with high expectations, but now I feel like more so even more because the national championships are there. But when you got there, what did you feel like as far as the culture of the program, I guess the expectations were, and did you sense that maybe in 2010 that you guys were on the brink of that type of run that you could win it all?
2: Definitely. We, uh, I remember the first meeting we had, uh, we're on campus for maybe two days, and they send out the text message, you know, meeting, meeting at the field, um, in the media room, and we go there. And, you know, it's, it's the typical beginning of the year, you know, fill these forms out, this is compliance, do this, do that. And then once Coach Tanner got speaking, it was we've got a special team. And we had some guys coming back. We didn't think we were coming back. Uh, Sam Dyson decided to come back that year. Um, we had Wit, we had Jackie coming off freshman All-American. Uh, we had Christian, myself, Christian Walker, myself, um, Tyler Webb. We had we had some 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 new guys. Adrian Morales, my brother, love love that guy. Just talked to him yesterday. Uh, but we had some guys just coming in to to get us over the hump. And from from that first meeting, it was talks of Omaha. And that was all that we talked about all year. Um, even through the rough spells we went, you know, dropping two out of three to ECU, dropping two out of three to Clemson. Um, I mean, it was it was Omaha our bust for that team that year. And that was the expectation that was set upon us and that is that is, you know, the motivation we used in the fall and winter and, and those early spring workouts that it was, you know oh Nothing, anything short of Omaha was going to be a failure that year. Mm.
1: Uh, For you individually, Ethan, how do you feel like your game, uh, you know, adjusted to the SEC level? Because obviously, again, coming in as a true freshman, you obviously had some game. You take a look at the accolades at a high school, uh, Gatorade Virginia baseball player of the year. I mean, that's no small thing, but – how do you feel like, you know, you adjusted to the SEC level? Like, was it what you expected? Was it more difficult? Was it a little bit easier than you thought it'd be? Like, what was that transition like?
2: Um, Definitely wasn't easier. We uh, – it was – it was about on par. I actually had gone through a surgery during the winter. I had a sports hernia procedure done in December um after that fall because I would I'd come in with the full expectation of being that Sunday guy. Uh, Once Dyson had made it clear he was coming back to school and, you know, it was going to be him and Coop were pretty much one and two, you know, whichever way that had fallen. Um, But I'd I'd come in there with that expectation of being the Sunday guy and, you know, things didn't break my way uh, in that regard. So, it was a quick, immediate recalibration of, all right, now let's try to become a bullpen guy. And I think that was the biggest the – biggest, uh, um, that was the biggest uh, turning point or transition-wise for me was, was really, you know, learning how to be a bullpen guy and then trying not to hit that freshman wall, which as my numbers show, I clearly did <laughs> hit that freshman wall about uh the Kentucky series that year I believe um you know and coming out of high school yeah you throw 70 innings but you only appear in about 11 games you know it's you know 10 11 games you're throwing once a week and then you're coming into you know a college season where we went to the world series and you play 72 games and you're peering in a third of those games and it's it's a completely different monster and you know if you don't if you don't come in with the right mindset and have the right upperclassmen pushing you, um, to to have that mindset, you know, plenty of guys can fall by the wayside and just, you know, get lost in the shuffle. Um, so it was, it was definitely, it was definitely a trans It was definitely a transition period that I think I handled better than, than some, but there was definitely room to, to grow there and, I was very fortunate to have some upper class guys, and and that bullpen that didn't necessarily pitch that much. Um, that could have very much been like uh, this guy. He's eating innings from me. I'm gonna let him, you know, not learn or not, not not grow. But I had, you know, I had a couple guys that were very much like this is what you do. This is how you prepare. This is how you go to get ready for a, a bullpen, you know, appearance versus getting ready for a starting appearance I was I was very fortunate that that we had such a such a team camaraderie there that that didn't just you know guys weren't always just looking out for themselves
1: for sure so Ethan you and I both know in the game of baseball you know it's a sport where you pick each other up right you know some days you're going to hit well some days you're going to pitch well but no matter what you know you pick each other up um for you, I bring it up not as an indictment on you, but sort of, it's just kind of funny how it sort of fell because you, uh the run you guys made, I mean, again, you pitched a lot. You were an integral part in that. You appear in the Super Regionals against Coastal, the one that everybody remembers for the Christian Walker home run. But what a lot of people forget is that that game and the Oklahoma game, in the College World Series, you come in, I think, give up a run in each of the games or something. I know you give up a home run in the Oklahoma game and then Christian Walker hits the two-run home run to take the lead against Coastal, and you actually got the win in that game. And then Oklahoma, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. with his heroics, you know, the clutch two-out, three-two count, whatever. Did you buy both those guys a steak or something? I mean, you, you, I, I feel like those have to be, like, your two favorite human beings because as a pitcher, again, you're always, you know, in that situation, you're like, dude, just bail me out, please. Like, there, there had to be nobody happier than you in the entire stadium in both of those moments.
2: So, so the Oklahoma one for sure. Like, there, <laughs> I'll I'll get into that one in a second. The Coastal one's funny because I think we were down one when I came in, and it was that's just That's right. Okay, that's keep right. It, and it tied keep, the game. Tied the game. Keep okay. it as close. Keep it. Keep it as close as we can. Just keep it. because Christian. I think Christian had a three-run dinger that game. That's, right. that's it, right. It might have yeah. been, but it, it was. It was keep it as close as we can. And I ended up giving up one, and I was like, you know, daggum, you know, we, you know we're down two now. And, um, so I would not it in the third to come in. and I was going back out, you know, as long as the game has stayed pat, I was going back out for the night and Christian hit the home run and we're all losing a dugout and me and coach Calby lock eyes. And I'm like, <laughs> we we're like, it's price time, man. You know, it's time to get priced <laughs> in the game. I mean, do was on a heater like no other. Right. Um, I was on a heater early in the year and, and 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 Matt Price was on a heater like nobody had ever seen at that time of year, man. I, me and Cali locked eyes and was like, Price. Um, but no, that Oklahoma game, that was to go back to you know, circle back around to your to your Ray Tanner question. That one, man, I, gave, I threw two pitches, I gave up the home run. It was always just a routine fly ball, and it just kept going, and I just I came back in the dugout and I just sat there. And I I didn't move for the for longest time. It, what felt like the longest time, you know, was, you know, Tyler Webb's warm-up pitches. But um, – and Coach Tanner came over and, you know, patted me on the back, said it's going to be okay. And that's – you know, I'd had some bad outings that year. And um, Coach Tanner never done that before that. And I'd had some real bad outings before that, you know versus two pitches giving up a run, you know, and other ones I'd given up a grand slam or something like that. Um, yeah, Coach Tanner came over and just patted me on the back said, it's going to be okay. And then um, had a couple other guys uh, come over and, like you know, uh, Kyle Enders. Ky- Kyle Enders, he uh, came over and was just like, hey, man, we're going to get this done for you. And sure enough, uh, yeah, they, that inning that that was – was quite was quite the show and yeah I I you know forever thankful for for Jackie and and everyone else that was involved in that end. and because you know it it saved me yeah I I I went out to my phone you know after the game and I had text messages from people back home you blew it you cost your team the World oh Series you God. know all this yeah because it was an elimination game right we, done. we sure. lost that yeah. game yeah. yeah. I had, I had people from back home before the game edited, like, you must feel like, you know, bleep and you must, you know, you must feel like this. And, and yeah, it was, it was tough. Um, and yeah, they saved me from being, from being, you know, the goat in Columbia, the, you know, the scapegoat in Columbia for, for, for years to come, especially with how everything else played out afterwards, man. Could you imagine if I had lost – I had been losing a picture of that game with how everything else played out afterwards?
1: Well, you, I, I was i was going to say that I, I don't mean to bring up bad memories, but we can bring them up because we can laugh about them because you guys won both games. That is the key oh, – it's the yeah. key thing you have to know. We, South Carolina won both. It does not matter. You're simply just a footnote now. And But you are right. That would have been – that would have been hell for sure. <laughs> for sure. Oh,
2: but, buddy, yeah.
1: So, on a more positive note, I want to go back to that that Coastal series and the Super Regionals. Just, again, as a true freshman, a guy who has a big part in the team, Omaha was the goal. You know, that last ground ball goes to Bobby Haney. And, you know, you guys win it. Rat Price seals it. Just kind of talk about – just talk about the rush of emotions. You guys dog on the mound and just realize that, you know, you are going to Omaha.
2: Unbelievable. There, There's um... – Uh, the big spur did some had some great photographs from that dog pile and that celebration and um, whenever feeling a little bit nostalgic you know we just you know sit there and scroll through them and and you know I can you know just looking at those I can think of every memory or every thought I had during that moment Um, was a great one of I dove over the pile and I was going to get back on and then coach Calbee was going over people and he ended up jumping into my arms over the, over the dog pile. And, um, and then there's a great one of uh coach Tanner talking to me and I'd miss the funny story. I'd miss the team bus for that game. Really? I, uh, yep. I, I missed the team bus. I had to get a ride with our, with coach, with, um, our baseball office assistant. Uh, I had to <laughs> ride to the game with her. Um, I left my phone in the room, and we, me and my roommate Stephen F. We were up on like the you know 17th floor, ran back up there, got on the elevator, and ended up not having a room key, so I couldn't get my phone. So I'm in the elevator, we're going down. I'm actually on the elevator with Coach Calvi's wife and daughter, and we're stopping at every floor on the way down, stopping, 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 stopping. and finally got like the eighth floor. I was like, "Okay, I gotta go." I ran down, bus wasn't there. (laughs) I'm looking around. And uh, the guy goes, "You looking for the team bus?" And I go, "Yeah, man." He's like, "Yeah, they (laughs) left about a minute and a half ago." Oh, god! So ended up had had to find a ride to the field. Got to the field, and um, after the game, Coach Tanner's like, "You know, five years ago, you wouldn't even dressed out, and now you (laughs) got the win to send us to Omaha." (laughs) Um, You know, just so many. So many little tidbits and things like that, that just, you know, make that, make that season so special. So, so, so many memorable. things
1: that fell into place that if they, if one thing is off, it never, none of it happens. Like you said, it's just none of it ever happens. It's gets You're right. It's crazy. Um, so, I mean, I'll ask you from one dog pile to another. I mean, you know, the, the, after that game, that Oklahoma game, you guys obviously go on a tear, you know, beat Clemson twice in Omaha, which I want, I want to talk to you about the Carolina of Clemson rivalry in just a second. But, you beat Clemson twice. I mean, just the, the, the storybook after that Oklahoma game. You're facing UCLA with, you know, Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole. You don't see Bauer, but you get Cole. And, I mean, you know, Coop does his thing. Dyson does his thing. You know, you guys win two to one on the walk-off with. wit I mean, if you can't put the, the coastal dog pile into words, I can't imagine what that dog pile was like realizing you guys had won the national championship.
2: That one was so crazy because it was just it was it was where did it go twelve thirteen innings I believe yep, yep um and I mean we're just sitting there we're doing everything we've got socks down pants up we're trying every single rally thing we we got and and then Witt just hits that ball and you know few guys few guys headed for Wingo scoring a couple guys headed for Witt and it was it was just I mean it was just it was it was pandemonium it was. It was absolute madness, and you know we're sitting there in the bullpen. You know we're we're down there. You know uh, Rosenblatt didn't have the our bullpens were on the side of the field like the Cubs. Not and we didn't have the uh, the bullpens in the outfield. So we're sitting there, we're staring at Bauer getting loose, and we're like, bless oh, well, boys, we better win this one." Like we because you know he did he did the horn frog thing to TCU that that uh, that World Series. You know he was you know. He's crazy. I,
1: he's he's kind of a crazy guy. Yeah,
2: he, he he's not my favorite player, but man, he was <laughs> he was in a zone that he was in a zone at that time, and we we're like, boy, do we not want to see that guy for a game? We don't want to leave it. We don't want to chance it for a game three. Let's put it that way, because you know we probably thought the same thing about Garrett Cole, and we got like six hits in the first inning off hundred <laughs> mile hour fastball. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know we were like, let's not leave it the chance to to see to see Bauer on on a game three and. And you know, hit with you know hit that ball, and we knew you know it was, it was immediate. It were, there was no there was no if-ands or buts about it. You know, he, he hit that ball, and we were we were breaking. We we were out of that dugout, and it was. I got a picture of it right here next to you know next to my jersey that's above my TV, and you know, we got Bobby Haney and and uh, Brady Thomas, and you know those guys. You know, you can see them all right there, and it's whew, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a dog pile.
1: For sure. So obviously, you guys lock it up, get the ring. Um, I, I want to move forward. Actually, I, w- I want to talk about the Carolina Clemson rivalry because again, on the way there, you guys beat Clemson twice. And I thought it was interesting how you brought up. You know, you came down on that on that visit to South Carolina, and you saw South Carolina Clemson, and you were you were rattling off the names there. I'm pretty impressed. I'm not going to lie. With Smoke Darnell, Havens, Disher, the, you know, the original bashers. I guess I know you're a Yankees guy, so it really felt like the Bronx Bombers in Columbia. I mean, that's how yeah. that lineup. That's how that lineup was assembled. But uh, I I guess you knew about the Carolina-Clemson rivalry long before you got on campus. But just talk about playing in that rivalry. And then, again, you lose two out of three to them in 2010 in the the regular season. But you guys get your revenge, beat them twice in Omaha. I mean, just talk about, you know, as a player. I mean, I know what it means to fans. But as a player being between the lines, what's that rivalry
2: like? Oh man, it's unbelievable. I was unfortunately I I wasn't able to appear in any of those five games um my freshman year. Uh I think that that weekend series, I think Coop went C G Saturday night. Um Dyson went three or four, but then Price had like a three in and save. And then Sunday, you know, I mean they took it to us on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um there's a reason uh Ray Tanner never let players wear white hats after that. <laughs> he let us wear white hats on that Sunday game, and they put twenty four on us, twenty one, twenty <laughs> four, and yeah, those they put them away. We didn't even get to keep them, like to, to have to wear. They took them, they took them back after the game. We those uh, the white hats with the garnet bill, or white hats with. The I was wondering,
1: bill. I was wondering where those hats went. Honestly, I I, I, I was and like, it's like a relic. Great. <laughs>
2: great question because we don't know. <laughs> we <laughs> those have, things got we trash. No those, are, those
1: are trash yep. and we're long gone.
2: Um, so, I, you know, I unfortunately wasn't, didn't get the pitch in the rivalry that year. My, my junior year, I think I actually appeared in all three games um, or at least two of the three. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, you know, everything's amped up. You know, everything's just ratcheted up a notch for, for that weekend, especially now with it with it being a weekend series and – you know you know you've got them three games in a row and i love the way they do it i mean mm-hmm. they i think that started actually my freshman year um i love the way we do it and you know home home and, and neutral it's um it gets everybody involved it it, it get it gets uh, especially at neutral site it gets to be a omaha uh, atmosphere kind of game yeah um because they they do a good job of, of dividing the tickets up pretty pretty evenly you know mm-hmm. you got some scalpers here and there you know it could swing way one way or the other, but they they do a pretty good job of that neutral site game. You know, feels like a feels like a World Series game, or feels like a postseason game, um, and just that whole weekend, it's just it is it is ratcheted up to to a to a degree that yeah, it's I mean the only thing that that can compare is is you know a super regional or, or a World Series, even a regional, um, it feels. Regional almost feels kind of, and and this maybe we were number one team in that regional and and no disrespect to to, to the Citadel or Virginia Tech or uh, Boise State was that who we played Bucknell, um, no disrespect to any of those three uh, any of those three teams but you know we you know we felt really good going into that to that uh, to that regional so. You know, there's nothing that compared to that Clemson-Carolina, you know, three-game set other than a Super or a or World Series. There's just there's just nothing like it. And then to have it added on to playing them, have to beat them twice in the World Series, you know, to advance. And having Michael Roth, who hadn't started a game in his college career, and, you know, we talked about in our pitchers beating, like, Mike, just go as long as you can. And we had guys, you know, ready to go behind them. And, I kept going and kept going and, you know, started one of the, you know, one of the greatest college careers of all time, you know, based on just us kind of running out of pitching and Clemson having a, a eight lefty lineup. I think their only righty was, was um, Kyle Parker, you know, quarterback. Mm. That was the only right. That was the only righty in their lineup. So, you know, it's it's like you said earlier, it's, you know, Everything in that season just being in the right place at the right time and, you know, kicking off some some absolute storybook careers and just mm. dudes I, you know, would go, you know, cross the lines with to, to this day.
1: Yeah, stuff, stuff of legends for sure. So I, I want to jump into this, obviously, because, again, I want to get into the part of your career that took an interesting turn. Um, for those that didn't realize, I I, me- I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you pitched at Carolina in 2010 and 2012 2011 you go to Lewisburg College and pitch in junior college after the incident in January of 2011 where you know you're kicked off the team whatever just talk to me Ethan again you can go into as much detail or no detail if you want about what actually happened but I'm curious to know from you when that happened I guess what was your reaction and what did you learn from it most would you say?
2: It was it was it was definitely trying. It was a phone call I made to Coach Tanner. I didn't want him to hear from a from a second source of what happened or or find a report that I'd gotten into to you know I'd been behind the wheel of a car you know earlier in the year or earlier in that month and um, he hadn't heard anything. It Had been about a week. Nothing had gotten out, and I just I didn't want to. Leave him in a spot to where they were, you know. I was still a scholarship guy, so I still kind of left the team, you know, hanging out and dry in a sense, because you know you can't replace a scholarship guy with mm. with a walk on. Um, and I ended up, you know, I called I called him and told him, you know, I told Coach Tanner what happened. Um, and you know, with talking to him, I was I was going to transfer. I was going to go down to uh, South Alabama and join Coach Calvi down there, sit out the year. Um, and, you know, kind of restart my, you know, try to rebuild, you know, the the credibility, you know, I had, you know, the great credibility I had lost. And me and Coach Tanner sat down, had, you know, two-hour meeting talk, and um, he laid out a list of guidelines that if I went to a junior college and it didn't work out there um, that I got drafted, that there was a way back. And that's kind of what I needed to hear. And so I decided to go the junior college route and um was fortunate enough to, to have a great year there um at Lewisburg. I, you know, had a played against some really good competition in region ten down there and um it was fortunate enough to have a really good year, you know, kept kept my nose clean and and um unfortunately wasn't the things didn't work out to where I could come back on scholarship, but um there was a way back and coach Holbrook, you know, coach Holbrook fought hard for me. And, and so I ended up back on the team in uh, 2012 and, you know, unfortunately I, I let those guys down again. Um, but it was, I will always hold coach Holbrook and, and coach Tanner dear and dear to my heart for, um, for giving me another chance there. Um, cause they certainly didn't have to, um, you know there were there were other opportunities. There were other Division One schools um, that you know it's always it's always easy to bring in the guy that that's had trouble elsewhere because you can fix that guy. Um, it's it's uh, it's not not the easiest to to let a guy back because you know you know what the what the you know what the good and the bad is and those guys um, they saw enough good in me you know in that year year and a half I spent with them to, to bring me back again. And, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out for the best that time go around either. But, um, yeah, I give, I give those guys all the, all the credit in the world for, for seeing the ability in me both on and off the field. Um, cause while there were some mistakes, you know, I did, I did, uh, make an effort in the community, you know, doing stuff like that. So they, uh, yeah, shout out to those two, man. They were, there were some real, there were some real dogs. After you know, my biggest supporter, Coach Calvi, you know, took a head coaching job. You know, they, uh, they really, they really stuck their necks out when they didn't have to.
1: Yeah, I, like I said, I mean, I just, it's crazy, Ethan. I mean, your your career is so fascinating because, again, it, I mean, it just, you go to JUCO and pay your pay your dues almost, and get to come back to South Carolina. I, I want to talk about again, like you said, that year at junior college, do what you needed to do. Had a great, you know, had a nine and three record, one seven five ERA. You know, you dominated. I mean, did what you needed to do on the field, off the field, everything. But just talk to me about the emotions, how tough it was for you to watch. Obviously, South Carolina goes back-to-back. I mean, what what was it like? Because I mean, yeah. on one hand, you're ecstatic for your guys. You know, those are your brothers. And I'm I'm sure at that point you maybe had somewhat of an idea that I'm coming back to this. But, you know, I, how tough was it looking, you know, observing from the outside you know, and, and knowing that, you, I guess you had missed
2: out on that. It was hard, um, because, but so you know, every with with what happened, and I got dismissed and uh, that sophomore year, and so I had some time to you know talk to people, and and before I you know left town to go to to Lewisburg, and I asked asked coaches if I could you know talk to the team before I you know packed my bags for good, and they they let me do it, and um I mean that was that was an emotional you know conversation I had with those guys you know I won't get into the specifics of you know everything I said to them but I told him like y'all gonna do it again because we you know we lost um, we lost Coop and we lost Dyson but you know Roth had really came into to that leadership role and we had the best leader in the gosh darn world and Adrian Morales God I love that man um you know, we had, you know, we had him and Wingo, you know, we were, we were on three amigos, man, three Musketeers. Um, you know, it just, it, everything, you know, that team was just built for, for repeat success. You know, there, there are a lot of teams that, that strike while the iron's hot and, and can, you know, move on, you know, things go on from there. And you have a good season, but, that team was just built for repeat success and, um, force, you know, force came on like a firecracker and, and Colby, Colby had a great year. And, you know, there were, there were things that went right. And, you know, those dudes, you know, from the jump, you just kind of, you know, we, we didn't, uh, me and Morales, you know, after, after we won, we're on the bus back to the hotel. And we we're just like, nah, this ain't it. You know, we got another one in us. And you know, just me and Adrian. I I moved with Adrian. That's you know, I me and Adrian are roommates. And you know, we would talk. You know, there are many nights we'd just sit there and talk, like, yeah, man, we we got this. We got this again. Um, so it was it was definitely tough. You know, I'd I'd be lying if I said there weren't moments where I was like, man, you know, could could you guys lose? You know, could. <laughs> You know, because man, you know, you don't want to be the guy that would that missed out on back to back. So I'd be lying if I said there weren't moments where I was like, you know, man, you know, it, it wouldn't it be okay, you know, if those guys lost. And then, you know, and then I'd talk to Adrian, you know, after the game, and I'd be like, yeah, I mean, how how stupid does that sound? You want your brothers to lose, and you know, you snap out of that pretty quick. But you know, from a, from a purely you know selfish standpoint you know you look at it and you're like man you know i what would i give to be there you know what would i give to you know not not have made the decisions not to have me there but um man it was it was it was it was a wide range of emotions but in the end man i just i could not be happier for those dudes and 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 those you know i had a lot of dudes that i'd consider brothers that that were part of that team that i talk to, you know, you know, once twice a week, if not daily. Um and you know, the, those guys that were fortunate enough to to go back to back, man, you know, there's not there's not a group of guys that deserve it more.
1: So you come back, Ethan, in 2012, you get back to South Carolina. Um I I don't know if this was opening weekends. I was taking a look at the stats, but you get uh your first outing was really good in 2012, you know, four scoreless you get a win. I mean, you're back on the bump at Founders Park. I mean, just, just talk about how that situation you went through. I mean, I I have to feel like it really changed your perspective. Like it really puts it into perspective, like how lucky you are to be, um, you know, or how blessed you are, if you will, to be in that situation. Like how much did it change your perspective? And then what was that first outing back like at Founders Park? I mean, how, I, I guess, how awesome was that to be sort of back home?
2: Whew. Yeah, it was, it was something, you know, like I said, I, I had to walk on. There was no guarantee. I was going to make the team, um, you know, coaches can, you know, there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of invited walk on to South Carolina. They're, you know, I think we had 60 some guys try out that or on, you know, part of the fall squad that year. Um, you know, you got to whittle that down to 35 and there are only eight, you know, eight guys that get to say they, they get to stay around. So there was no guarantee I was I was gonna you know be back and um, <laughs> I think my first yeah it was VMI um, it was the first I came in with runners on I think two outs maybe possibly and uh, line drive to left field Terry which comes up hose gets a guy at home um, you know threw him out by ten feet not even close. And I after that I was like, okay, we're back. We're good. Let's <laughs> let's 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 move forward. And then from that on, you know, from that point forward, yeah, I mean, it was it was just, you know, it was a blessing to be back and it felt good. And I, you know, I'd found a I'd found a baseball nirvana kind of at that point pitching. Um i I'd, I'd really found my myself and my Marcus Stroman you know I found I found my my groove out there and you know I was able to I kind of found it towards the end of my year at Lewisburg and I actually went to the CPL that year the Coast Plains League and got destroyed I um uh, I got pretty I got lit up pretty good in Coast of Plains so you know going and going back to South Carolina I thought you know that might you know take effect on me because I only played about a month and a half in the Coastal Plains and I finished like third in the league in home runs given up. And I'm like, <laughs> Well well great, you know, this was I could have just ridden into the off season with all American and pitcher of the year and all those accolades and not done anything and you know, gone in South Carolina, you know, with some nice laurels and you know, like you know, went out there and played in the Coastal Plains and, you know, was trash. I was bad. And um that fall, I kind of found it again, and from that point forward, I I was just you know on a on a elevated plane of of baseballness of, of at that time. Yeah. I, I, I don't know I don't know the way to explain it. It was just I I'd, I'd found something, and it was it was special for that you know from my junior to my senior year. You know, I was I'd found a I'd found something for the for that two year stretch. It was. It was pretty, pretty, pretty special,
1: for sure. So I, I, I asked this Ethan not to bring up any again, like bad memories. But I, I'm cur- I'm just genuinely curious because I did, I didn't know what, what was the because I mean, 2012 again. You were on pace to have a great year. I mean, ten innings didn- hadn't given up a run. Um, what I guess I'll just ask simply: What happened in that 2012 season? Like, what, what was the incident that ended your South Carolina career?
2: Um, so you can anybody that wants to find you know, read the, the actual account can probably find it on the Big Spurs somewhere. Um, I had gone out after the Princeton game. I didn't pitch that night. Um thought I thought I should have. Um didn't pitch that night and I had uh some some friends that weren't a part of the baseball team that were that were, you know, South Carolina alums but were back from Virginia, we're in town and I went out with those guys and, you know, had had a couple too many and um, ended up falling out in the middle of five points. Um, you know, was – ended up, you know, found pretty much face down in a in a bed of mulch in the middle of five points. And took me to the hospital. They glued my chin up. And I had to go to the, the next day and talk to Coach Tanner and Coach Holbrook. Um, we thought it was just a citation at the time. Um, and, um, so I was suspended for, for about six, eight games. And that was the, you know, I was unofficially suspended. And then, um, it come to find out that what had happened actually was deemed an arrest. And, um, it was in the athletic department's hands at that point. Um, we we're actually in Kentucky. I was off suspension, warming up, um, you know, pregame warm-ups in Kentucky, and I got called to the dugout and said, "It's in athletic department hands now, and you're indefinitely suspended from here on out." And um, I, I understand where um, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Hyman stood. Um, you know, he was coming off the Steam Garcia. Um, yeah, I love Stephen, but you know, we were. I was on the heels of of the Garcia era, um, so. I understood they couldn't just have you know baseball player that was spending all his time in five points and well what perceived to be spending all his time in five points um you know i I understood that from a from a you know athletic department standpoint and like I said I hold no ill will towards those guys um you know they they made a decision that needed to be made for the for the sake of the athletic department and and the you know, the other athletes that were, were doing their part at SC. Um, And, you know, they, there was, they offered a way back, but, you know, it was, it was just always held as open indefinitely. Um, And that's how it ended. And that, you know, I have, I, I understand why it ended that way. And I, you know, they were, they were the best. They let me still see, you know, the tutors and use the, the Doty. They still let me use all that, that stuff and end up getting my highest GPA that year, not focusing on baseball. Um, so, you know, I, I thank them for not only setting me on a path that, you know, realized that I had some, you know, some real things I need to address. Um, off the field, but also, you know, I, you know, got good in the classroom for the first time. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a a draft to worry about. I didn't have a a free agent contract to worry about. Um, And I, you know, I give all the respect to those guys that, that, you know, they just kicked me to the curb when, when I was at my lowest, they, uh, they let me stay, you know, a part of the athletic department, even though I couldn't represent them on the field. Um, they let me stay, you know, in the classroom and and with the people that, that pushed me forward. And I did more things that semester in the community and, and off the field than I had done in my previous two and a half years there. And I, I thank those people, you know, from the bottom of my heart, really and truly.
1: Yeah, and, Ethan, I-, I ask you that more so to follow up with this question because I- I'm a big believer in that everything happens for a reason, right, even if you don't understand it at the time. Well, you know, because when you look back at your career, like I said, it's so interesting because there's so many positive memories and there's so many, you know, other memories of things that happened. I mean, what I, I guess what's your biggest takeaway, you know, from your South of career? Because I-, I feel like, again, the positives are even with what the negatives were – the positives are going to outweigh the negatives i mean you literally won a national championship like it doesn't get any better than that but you know what are the biggest things that stick out to you like when you reflect on your south kind of career these days like what, what do you what do you think of when when you reflect on it and then what do you think like your career can teach other athletes or just other people or like maybe like what did your career like what did you learn from in the sense of applying it to real life because I feel like you know you had to overcome a lot of obstacles there was a lot of mental challenges and I mean you can really apply that to not just school or baseball or sports or whatever you can apply that to like everyday life I mean I, how, how would you uh I guess how, how would you analyze that if that makes sense
2: oh yeah Um I you know from So I was fortunate enough to, after my playing career, um, got into coaching and I coached a high school varsity team here in Virginia for four years. And, um, you know, you have, you know, Google, Google is, you know, available to anybody with a, with a cell phone now. And I don't try to run from or hide from, from my mistakes. And that's why anybody that will ask, I'll, I'll tell them. I'll talk to him, and I, um, yeah, the loads were low, um, and but man, I wouldn't trade anything in the world for for that freshman year, or even any of the time I spent at at SC. Um, I would, I would suggest guys, um, you know, when I, I would tell anybody this, you know, that's listen, you know, don't get behind the wheel of the car if you had drink. Um, you can you can have fun and have fun in moderation. Um, and in in but, your
1: defense, this was pre Uber days too. So I, I will say yeah. <laughs> this was pre. You didn't have the option. I mean, I, not like again. It's not defending, but I mean, you're even stupider now. I would say if you do that. But yeah, you, you This was pre Uber days. Just
2: throwing that out there. So you continue. I just yeah. Thought people should realize. Yeah. That. We, <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, heck man, this is 10 years ago now, you know, 2020 we won, we won the championship in 2010 and, and my first run in with, with everything happened, uh, January 2011. So yeah, we're, uh, we're nine years, nine years ago now. Um, gosh, that makes me sound so old, (laughs) (laughs) but we, um, but no, man, I, I really I really, you know, appreciate the the lasting things that that came from all that, you know. Take take the hardware, take the the ring that's, you know, sitting on my on my me and my wife's bookshelves right here away and take the World Series uh jersey I have, you know, sitting above our our TV here in our in our living room away and it's it's the it's the little things. It's, you know, it's the handshakes you got with Nolan Belcher, you know, every third inning. And it's, you know, your road roommate, Stephen Neff, and you guys getting dinner at Olive Garden in Arkansas. And it's, you know, me and Adrian Morales, you know, sitting next to each other on the bus and then deciding after a World Series game, yeah, you want to be roommates next year? Um, <laughs> And then, and then that leading to a, a friendship that, you know, he's coaching at Miami Miami Dade Junior College now, and you know, we were texting last night about Team A B's, you know, in his game last night. Um, it's it's those things that I, you know, it's just you you just have so much fun in the moment, and and you don't realize that, you know, there's a select few of us that that get to play it, you know into their thirties. You know, you, you got, you got the wit and you got, you got the wits and the Christians and, and the Dysons and, and, and those guys. And, you know, I love those guys to death. Heck Christian, when he was playing for the Norfolk tides uh, would, you know, get he saw me in the stands one day and said, he sent me a text after the game and said don't ever pay for a ticket again. You better make sure I'm on the, you're on my list from here on out. I better not see you at another game without you on my list. And, you know, it's it, it, things like that. And, um the 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 analysis I would have of it is enjoy things in the moment. Don't try to enjoy things don't try to enjoy too much once the moment's past. Mm. Um because then you're chasing you're chasing that feeling and mm. you know, you're never gonna find it. There's there's nothing that can compare to twenty seven thousand people at in in Omaha, Nebraska, you know cheering on every single pitch um there's nothing that's going to compare to the nine ten thousand people at founders park you know getting your first win opening weekend or friday night against tennessee um there's you you're never going to replicate that as hard as you try um you know down in five points or you know in your dorm room or your apartment or you know you're, you're never going to replicate that feeling and to let it pass by and not enjoy it in the moment is, is the real travesty. And to then try to try to make up for that or feel that again in other aspects of life, it's just, it's just not going to happen. It is, it is a singular feeling that, you know, those 35 guys, or I guess, you know, in Omaha 27 and on the road, 25 guys in SEC play those 25, 27 guys can relate to. And, you know, um, it's just, it's, and I'm sure, you know, football guys, you know, all those, you know, that's probably on a, on an absolutely another level. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just, you know, there's, there's just no replicating it. And to, to think you can in any way, shape or form is, is foolhardy. And, um, I really just, you know, any guys that that's younger that's still playing the who is enjoying enjoy it in the moment. Don't, 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 don't start chasing it, because um, that can only lead to that can only lead to things that aren't that aren't going to help you out in the future.
1: No, that's powerful stuff for sure. So, uh, Ethan, I want to switch gears a little bit uh, before we get you out of here. I know you're a guy that you're you're a Gamecock through and through. You still follow Gamecock sports, not even just baseball. We were just talking about off here, obviously, the basketball game and stuff like that. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit baseball, though, because opening day is literally, as we're recording this, 13 days away. Um, You know, we were talking a little bit earlier just how big of a season this is this year. But just talk about, I guess, the current state of Carolina baseball, if you've gotten the opportunity to meet Mark Kingston and talk to him or not. But I know you said you still talk with Ray Tanner every now and then, but just sort of you know, from the outside or outsider looking in a former player and alum, if you will, just your thoughts on the current state
2: of Carolina baseball. I think we're trending in the right direction. I, um, I got to meet coach Shanks in his first year. He took over the program. I went to alumni day that year. Um, um, got to meet him at the golf tournament, um, or the golf, uh, function, I guess, um, got to meet him down there. He spoke to all of us and, you know, he he was you know really up up front open that he wants to hear. You know, he was an outsider at the time, um, um, and we we were the ones that built the program, and he wanted to hear from us. And you know, we got to talked to him a little bit at at the alumni game, and you know, he's he seems like you know a, a real genuine person. And you know, with the recruit classes you know we've had coming in, I I've, I've got nothing but but high hopes for the team this year. Um, I know we got some key guys, you know, coming back from injury or, you know, looking to build off, you know, some, some years that I know they, you know, aren't exactly the happiest with and I think they, they can use that as 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 much of motivation as, you know, those guys in two thousand eleven were looking to build upon, you know, back to back championship. Um I think, you know, some some years not living up to expectation can can provide just as much fire. Um so I'm I'm looking forward to, to the guys this year. I know me and my wife were talking about trying to come down for the Clemson game and, and checking out a women's basketball game that weekend. I think we got Texas A and M that weekend too. Um so we're we're talking about trying to get down there for that. Maybe, you know, catch a game down there at the Firefly Stadium on Saturday. Um and I just think I just think this is gonna be this is gonna be a real real building year for the program and and an opportunity for uh, coach Kingston to to really leave his mark and um, and kind of separate himself and and show that this is his program and I have have all the faith in the world that they're going to be able to do that
1: for sure so I've got two questions for you left Ethan the first question I want you to answer this one first before I ask you the second question first question is there you talked a little bit about ray tanner i feel like you've got to have like a good ray tanner story like a really funny ray tanner story it would maybe directly involving you actually because you know i've had some guys on previously and it seems like everybody's got that that go-to tanner story if you if you tell the one about evan marzilli he already told us that one by the way so the, uh, the head up i5 and just we'll see yep. stuff to you that's like that's a classic apparently um, but is there any other like funny ray tanner moment or just memorable ray tanner moment you can tell in the airwaves
2: so i so I got one for me personally um I think it was after I'd thrown against it was a midweek game so it might have been the citadel um i I can't I can't place the team that I'd thrown against for sure but I'd talked out like 92 that game and I felt great you know I you know I'd come out because I was, you know, I was a twelve slider guy, and I, you know, I'd pop 91, you know, I don't think I threw a pitch on 91. I was 91 and 92. And we had, we had practice the next day, and we're out there. And, um, you know, I'm a freshman, so I'm helping set it up for BP. And Coach Tanner goes, Carter, when, when, when are you going to start throwing 95? You're throwing 92 in high school. We, we recruited you to throw. You're supposed to be a 95 guy. And I was like, I mean, coach, you know, I'm, I'm in the weight room. I'm trying to do it. And he's like, eh, you know, you just throw 95. That's all I'm going to say. He just walked away. That was it. That was that was the end of the conversation. And I was like, I didn't know whether he was joking or, you know, what what was you know the 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 crux of it. He was like, when are you going to start throwing harder? I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying. You know, I'm not I'm not out there not I'm not out there trying to throw slower. But, yeah, so that that's a good one from Coach. There. Yeah, no, I got, I got some other Ray Tanner stories I can't tell on air, but <laughs> that's that, that's the best one I got for, for just me and him.
1: No, for sure. So, last question. I'll, I'll get you out of here, but last question. You're a Yankees guy, so I've got to ask you. You're a big Yankees guy. For anyone that doesn't follow you on Twitter, I mean, you're always talking Yankees and talking MLB. Uh, without going on, like, an hour-long rant about this, because I'm <laughs> sure you could go for days, but – did the Astros get punished harsh enough for the, uh, the buzzer thing you think?
2: Um, yeah. I feel like you've
1: got to have a strong opinion on this.
2: So I, I, I think, I think that they were punished. They were punished harsh enough. Um, because simply because you're not going to get the information without the players getting full immunity. Um, could the organization then, you know, tax a little harder. Sure. Um, You know, on top of the draft picks, I would have, you know, hit them with some international signing cap money. Um, I would have lowered that. But um, when it comes to the players, there's just there's so little you can do with between the players or the players association and and things like that. Um, But. It's not going to stop me from questioning, you know, I, mean, it's, I it's, think Altuve? It, ha- it's
1: got to sting a little more for you seeing as it was your team that Altuve hit the bomb off of. I and mean, it's literally Chapman. And you see Chapman, like, laughing after, like, <laughs> he knew. Like, he's like, he knew that was coming. And it's in in his mind, you see his face. That body language tells me that Chapman was thinking to himself, he knew that was coming, no doubt.
2: So, so I can't, you know, do I think Altuve had a buzzer on him? Probably not. But does two thousand seventeen change my judgment on everything they've done since? Of course. Right. And yeah. um for for them to for them to so nonchalantly pass the buck on this, the players I mean, mm. that that's irksome to me. Um, you know, you've got Dallas Keichel who didn't do anything, you know, saying, you know, yeah, you know, we messed up and it's like, my guy, you really didn't do anything. Um, <laughs> I need to hear that from Bregman that's yeah. making fun of Bauer and Clevenger, you know, that's, that's talking just all that. Just taking, stuff taking no ownership.
1: They're just taking no ownership of it.
2: Yeah. That's, that's the frustrating part. You know, I don't get me wrong. I, I think it's one of the worst things I've ever seen in baseball, but, um, again, we're not, we don't get all this information without promising them promising them immunity and I think the – just the, the stain that those fans have to deal with. I know if I was – if this was flipped around, this was the Yankees, man, I'd get so tired of being like, well, we still won. Well, Having you know, we still it. got yeah. that banner. Yeah, you know, that would – I know as a fan, that would get so old to me. And I know there's some, you know, there's some Astros fans on Twitter that I've actually gotten – I actually had my Twitter for – for over a week, because I felt like I'd I'd gone, I'd gone too too far over the line with with an Astros fan, um, and you know I'm you know they're I I get them defending and everything right now, but I know you know ten fifteen years from now when you know Johnny's like hey yeah y'all cheated right I know that's going to just sting them you know that uh-huh. much more and I, so. Do I think their penalties to make a long story longer? Do I think their penalties were were right? Yes, only I would have hit them with the with the international signing uh, bonus money. I would have I would have clipped them there too, uh, on top of the draft picks. But um, otherwise, I I think organizationally they did all they could.
1: For sure, you you feeling good about the Yankees this year? I mean, you, I mean, I feel like the Yankees should be one of the top teams favored to win the World
2: Series, right? I feel great. Um there's uh there, there was a great there's a great little tweet that went out um talking about the most hated uh fan base or the most hated franchises in, uh in Major League Baseball and the Yankees occupied like a third of the state and I just, you know, kept sending the general or the emperor palpatine meme let the hate flow through you and it just makes us powerful and I I love every second. When they signed Garrett Cole, I had the, I, I, what was, what's the John Williams? I had the Imperial March playing on repeat all day. My boss is the Cardinals fan, came into my office and just shook his head and turned right, right, right around and walked out. Because, yeah, no, nah, there, until they don't win the World Series, there are going to be a lot of people annoyed with me this year.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm I'm a Braves guy, so I've had you and Bobby Haney now, both big Yankees guys on here and it's uh I mean I mean the Brave yeah, there's nothing you can say as a Braves fan. It's just uh I am expecting a good year and they'll fold once we get to the playoffs and that'll kind of be that. So it's just uh Well, it's become it's become funny, pretty man. normal at this point.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. It, it's funny because, you know, going Virginia, South Carolina, and I played, you know, my JUCO, in my last year D D2 at North Carolina. You know, it's nothing but Braves fans around. Oh yeah. So, um, and the Yankees were in pre. The Yankees won won their last World Series my freshman year, and and at, at SC, beat, uh Christian Walker Phillies. You know, he you know <laughs> he's a Major League Baseball player now. So he's he was a fan of the Phillies. Um, but uh yeah. So since then, it's been you know a lot of hardship uh, hardships. Been been a long drought from from my Yankees. So, um you know just hearing hearing braves fans it, it got it got a little tough for me
1: yeah i was gonna say i think most braves fans agree that if it wasn't for the yankees in the 90s the braves have uh two or three more titles but you know, it's...
2: <laughs> yes sir thank you Derek <laughs> yep, jeter yep, yep. thank
1: you andy pettit thank you roger clemens <laughs> and the list goes on and on but ethan <laughs> appreciate you taking the time man i, I really do appreciate it it's a, it's a pleasure it was phenomenal great conversation and i would love to get you back on soon man let me know if you're uh if you're in town, Carolina Clemson, I know a lot of fans would love to meet you, and I obviously would as well. But, uh, again, let's do it again soon for sure.
2: Chris, I really appreciate it, man. I, I had a blast. and uh, Yeah, man, I, I'd love to do this again sometime.
1: Absolutely. So, for Ethan Carter, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the episode of The Spurs Up Show.